Hello and welcome to the Scott Sportscast, Alex and an Athlete. Today, we have a special guest, Arturo Correz. This man is a not only a very decorated high school cross-country and track runner, but a college one as well. So, without further ado, how you doing, Arturo? Doing good, brother. Good to be on the show. Oh, beautiful to have you here, especially now that the air is starting to get better. Oh, yeah. It's nice to be able to go get out on runs again without having to worry about having to wear a mask due to all that smoke. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the last thing you want to do when you're working out is restrict your breathing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then that smoke just hurt like hell trying to get a good run in. It'll be like training with one of these. This uh, is elevation training masks that I used to use because I, I bought it because whenever I had my fight in Utah, I'm coming from sea level going up to like the third, third highest elevation. Um, so I needed to, needed to figure something out to uh, get used to it because I wasn't going to stay there but one mm -hmm. day. So, and man, did I get tired instantly though. Good thing oh, that I'm sure. I'm glad that fight didn't last long because <laughs> I don't know how long I would have lasted. Yeah, but, you get winded up that high up. That thin air just it gets to you. Those oxygen molecules spread apart, so you get less oxygen per breath, and your muscles suffer. <laughs> yes, sir. Feels like you're breathing with needles in your lungs. Yeah, and uh, nobody wants to compete like that. <laughs> no, no. You get taxed way too fast. And that's why, like, especially in football, you know, you got that home court advantage that um, it plays a part because of the environment. Oh, yeah, like the Broncos, man. Like, they, I'm sure everyone has a hard time getting up there to play those games. Uh, what was it? They had, like, the longest streak of, like, the first opening two weeks playing at home because no one's used to the elevation except for them. Yeah. So, yeah, it, Bears snapped that streak, though. Let's go. <laughs> but anyways so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself what you're up to these days all right so we'll start with my high school career um ran cross country from freshman year um we made it to state that year um after that we just kept on working with the whole team to try to make it to state again um the field just got way too deep during my my years at least or at least i feel like it got super deep so we always made it into the CCS championships and then like teams were just crazy fast. So weren't able to get back into state after that, but we had some great teams. Um, workouts were hard. We had a great coach. Um, then we, I went off to college, learned a lot in college. I was only at Humboldt state for two years. I came on as a walk on, um, ran both cross country and track there. Um, and then came back home, uh, got a couple big injuries. So kind of like put all the whole running career on hold for a while. Um, and nowadays I'm starting to run again, trying to get back into that competitive field. So we'll see. It's, it's peak for everyone my age right now, you know, the 30-year-old bracket. Um, mm -hmm. These guys are intense. These are the elite guys. So I don't know if I'll get into that level yet, but um, we'll see in the future. Well, it's always a no until you try, you know? Exactly. So that's awesome. I'm glad that you're getting back into it. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you feel like you can only take it so far, but then you realize, you know, there's, 
there's plenty of other ways you can take it and ways to stay competitive and uh, also enjoy it at the same time at the highest levels. Yeah, and just learning from like all my old experiences from high school and college to what I'm doing now, it's, it's night and day, man. Um, I wasn't much about doing weights in high school because I thought it was going to get me bulky and get me slow, you know, just too much weight on me. And now I've learned that that was the biggest mistake I probably did in high school, not doing any sort of weights. And to any, if any of the listeners that might be in high school and everything, I totally recommend putting some sort of weight routine into their, the mix of their workouts. Um, now that I'm actually starting to do it, I mean, you don't have to lift super heavy, but get some good strength into yourself. Cause I mean, you use your back, your shoulders, arms, chest, everything is, every muscle is being used when you're running at your racing pace, right? Yeah. So, Especially your core. People don't, don't think that you use your core, but man, it's all torques from your hips. Oh, there's so much that comes from that. And then, so it goes from the top all the way down to your legs. You've got to put your squats, all your, everything that you can do to your legs. You got to put that in. I mean, you don't have to do heavy and try to like be lifting 500 pounds, but I mean, just putting in some sort of weight training to make your legs even stronger is going to help in the long run because you don't realize it when you're in high school, but you're using like your quads and your hamstrings a heck of a lot more than you would expect. And you just running alone and putting that mileage isn't going to make them stronger no. in, in certain areas. So I know that was one of the big parts that played a role towards me getting injured later on when I got to college. Mm-hmm. That my, I was, uh, I mean, we're at sea level and most of our running is like completely flat out here in Monterey seaside. So of yeah. course you, your quads start being used a heck of a lot more. So I had a difference in strength between my quads and my hamstrings once I got to college that from running at like getting to like a closer elite level, having that difference made, made it so that my, I was compensating way too much and I ended up uh, pulling and almost tearing my hamstrings. Right. Yeah, if I would have done it. Yeah, if I would have done my training like I should have and been doing like squats and lunges with weights and everything, I really doubt that would have happened. And I probably would have stayed in college a little bit longer, probably made it into like more of a national competitive level. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think that I was pretty much the same way, you know, even though we lifted for the wrestling team, it's uh, after that, you know, I wasn't really lifting weights. I was, you know, mainly pushing and pulling people because Mm -hmm. that's what I was going to be doing in the sport. So I felt that that may have been the reason why my body didn't hold up as long as it should have. I I I think so too. (laughs) So it's one of those things where it's very important to make sure that your foundation is strong. If you want to build a tall building that lasts, you can't start off on flimsy legs. So Nope. And like now that I actually like, well, not right now due to the pandemic and everything, all the gyms are closed around here. But mm-hmm. when I, when I started finally lifting like last year, like really getting into it, my, I hadn't been running for like a good two, three years at that point, just started doing a bunch of lifting and I went low weight, high reps. So it would feel kind of like cardio at the same time. Mm-hmm. As soon as I started running, jumped back into running my first run, I did like a six mile run and I was running it at like 6.45 pace, which is something that I never thought I'd be able to do. 
especially off of like no actual endurance training. Yeah, so just, just fresh off the bench. Yeah, it just shows that that kind of training will and can help any endurance athlete. I, I think it's one of the most important parts of your actual training. See, that's because the thing. The difference between endurance and and these other sports is you need endurance training, not strength training. And mm -hmm. difference, like you said, low rep, high or high rep, low weight, that'll help give your oxygen that to your muscles to so that that way they can use them more efficiently. But strength training, you know, that's just short bursts. That's yeah. that's if you're doing a uh, a pull up or you know you're tackling somebody that quick explosiveness but when you got to go a long distance you got to train and get your body right for long distance so, so there's a big difference oh yeah no completely i mean i i do put in some of the strength training into my workouts but it's very little in between so i do my long runs and my speed work and then I'll do like some calisthenics stuff right now that we're in the pandemic, been doing a lot of calisthenics. Um, and then with some of the weights that I have here at home, then I'll do like some like heavy squats or like sumo squats, more heavy lifting just to get some of that strength in. But most of the time it's going to be low weight, high reps. Yeah, that's good. So um, let's, Let's move on and let's talk a little more in depth about your, your high school cross country and track. So first off track, what events did you compete in and um, how, how was your high school experience throughout? So track I did, I, I was like the all around guy. Um, I trained mainly for the mile to mile, uh, but I would be dropped into the 400 for the four by four and the 800 every once in a while. Um, so I was mostly a, a four, um, four event kind of guy. Um, I loved all the events. I used to think that I was an 800 miler, you know, because everyone loves those events. Those are the ones that most people come out to see. I was totally more of a 200 kind of guy though. I, I could, I just was able to grind it out. And that's just one of those races where you got to just be mentally tough and you can't just rely on your speed. Kind of like mm -hmm. the end of the 800, which is a whole different beast because you have the combination of having to be as fast as a 400 runner, but being able to like keep up that distance and that endurance of like the mile. So it's just like, it's a grueling race. It just sounds like a warfare, you know, just a war zone out there. <sighs> but the thing too is, is you can't let, like you said, the mental side of it, you can't let your mind trick you into thinking that it can't do something because your mind is the biggest thing that will prevent you. So oh, yeah. yeah. How many times have you been like, Oh, it's so hot or so something. I just can't take another step. And then a couple minutes later, you're like, wow, that, I just did another lap. Yeah, no, mental toughness is a huge thing. And I, I don't think we push our athletes, and at least in high school, I don't think we do enough of that kind of training or we work with our athletes to be able to have that kind of mentality. Because it's one thing to push through the pain, but it's another thing to be able to have that mental toughness to be like, this is actually kind of hard but I know I have another gear 
and also being able to be tough enough to be like, you know what, my body's telling me that I actually need to stop. Like yeah. there's days, there's days that you need to be able to listen to your body because it can be a number of reasons your body's actually fatigued. Um, you didn't hydrate enough. And if you push yourself on some of those days, you might be having an injury or something that'll could terminate your whole season. Yeah. And that's part of that toughness. Like you have to be able to like realize that you have to be able to back off on certain days. It's not all just go, 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 go. And that's one of the things that I noticed from high school coaches a lot that it's just push them because they're young and they'll be able to recover. Yeah. um, Definitely see that with a lot of high school sports. But at the same time, like you said, you know, you got to be able to push yourself through things, but you can't push yourself through an injury or pain, you know, mm-hmm. your body, your body's limited and you need to recover and treat it properly. You know, if, if it's a car, you know, you're not just putting water in the gas tank, you know, you're, you're yeah. putting the correct, uh, correct gas and fuel for it. You need to do that with your body too. Sleep is huge for recovery mm-hmm. and, and also, uh, you know, rest. It's you. You can't do one thing forever, at twenty four seven. You know, no, you not need at all. You need recovery. You need hell. Sometimes you need time to miss it, and just get that hunger back. Oh, I agree. I, I mean, and that's along with the mental toughness. Like, you do get to a point where you are just like completely over it. And if you're over something, especially because I, I got to that point a few times during my running career in high school. I was just over overrunning. I was like, it wasn't fun for me anymore. I was just doing it because I had to like be like the team captain or whatever. But there was a few times where I was just like, I don't even want to be at practice. Like this doesn't, this isn't enjoyable and I'm not having fun. Of course we'd go through like winter season and that'd give me time to like take some time off and not have to work, uh, do all the workouts all the time. You start missing it. And then all of a sudden you come back to like track season and then you're hungry and you're like, want to get after it so it is something that as a as an athlete you need to be able to take breaks see and the thing with like mma wrestling and track and field cross country you know those are sports where they are they're pretty much year long it's not like Mm -hmm. they really have a dedicated season it's you can find events they're 365 you know um it may not be exactly the same, but like even high school wrestling, you know, when you're not, when that season ends, you still have freestyle and Greco-Roman uh, club wrestling through USA wrestling. But then, yeah, like you have Spartan races and all these other kind of racing events that you can get yourself into if you fill it. But it's a lifestyle, not so much just a sport that you're just going to play, you know? Oh, no, I completely agree. It's not not trying to bash on like football or baseball or anything like that, but that's why those are called games. You know, it's a football game. It's a baseball game. And when you go to a meet, it's, it's different. Like it's super competitive. I'm not saying that football isn't super competitive, but it's still like a a pastime Uh, when it comes down. Yeah. When it comes down to like wrestling or MMA track cross country, there's sports that people do because they have like a crazy passion for that kind of thing. And it's like, we do it day in, day out. Um, Saturday, Sundays, you know, um, we're just into it. It's, 
I, I've noticed it's a different breed of people that get into these sports because they're not just like, oh, we're going to go out there to do it for fun. Sometimes it's just because it helps you cope with like life things, you know, like uh, my wife used to hate running and she just recently started running. Now she's like completely in love. It, she's like, it helps me relax every once in a while. I do it now because it's like, I need somewhere, I need some sort of outlet. Yes. And, and I'm like waiting for races to come back because once racing starts and I get to start racing again, it's, it's a whole, I become a whole different person like on race day. You know, yeah. It, that competitive nature inside of you. Yeah. And it's, a, it, it changes everything about my whole lifestyle and, as well. Like, it's not just like on race day, I'm like super competitive. Like this, something starts like going on inside of me that I'm just like become competitive in like every form of my life. And like I start, I start putting more effort than I usually have into like everything else I do. And like, it, it's crazy how like something like this can just affect your whole life. Exactly. And it's one of those things that teaches you the life lessons that you need for not only sports, but for everything else you do. If you can put in that kind of dedication, that time, that energy, and that focus into running, who says you can't put it into something else like say cooking or say, you know, working on cars. Yeah. You could be good at anything as long as you put the time, the effort and the energy into it. It may take some people longer. It may take some people shorter who may be naturally gifted for it, but it doesn't mean that you can't also get the same results. It just may take you a little more work. Yeah. I, I think, uh, coach, uh, sugar's, um touched on this too uh during this podcast that it's like it teaches you life lessons like when you go down you have to be able to get back up you know like you have a bad race doesn't matter next race you push yourself to be better you know you you learn all this stuff you're not going to cry about it because this time like some dude beat you by like an inch so what mm -hmm. did you did you put a hundred percent into that race yeah then don't bitch about it you know you did what you could Yep. And if you didn't, you know exactly where you could have improved. And then now next time, you know exactly where, where that is. So if you start falling off at the minute mark and you slow down, you know that you got to train. So when that minute hits, you don't slow down. Yeah. Keep, keep a certain pace at a certain time, you know, and you got to make all those adjustments as your body tells you. Yeah. So like going back to like my high school career, like all this stuff, like, is things that I wish I would have known back then. Because I used to, I used to just go to practice, try to get the mileage in, try to get faster and faster and faster. But I wasn't like, I don't think I was mentally strong enough back then. And that's why my times weren't as competitive as they could have been. Um, it was just one of those things where I was trying to do it for fun. And then after a while, like once junior year hit, I was trying to do it more to like try to get a scholarship to go to college. And then it became this obsession for me instead of being more of like a tool for me to like get into college. It became like everything that I wanted to do was around track and cross country. So like even the school that I chose, I chose it because of that. Like there was other schools that didn't have track, but would only have cross country for college. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go to that school because then I'm not going to be able to do one of the two sports. Yeah. Um, I get the obsession about it and I get that a lot of student athletes do the same thing but 
we need to, I wish I would have had a better understanding of what I was doing. Just because yeah, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. You know? I look at myself now and I'm like, dude, I would have kicked my own ass in high school if I knew what I knew now. I would have just just destroyed myself. I oh yeah. And it's like it's all it always feels nice like uh like those movies where you got like that 30 year old going back to play high school sports, you know, <laughs> like just dominate everything, you know? It's like wouldn't that be nice? But yeah. If I so. yeah, all the time it just ends up being like if I would have knew what I know today, but it's like that's in the past. You gotta learn from that stuff. Um I mean I love to try like even a few years ago I tried to go help out with the cross country team here and it was so rewarding to be able to go back and like show some of these younger guys like look learn from these experiences that I had do this 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 and this and you're gonna go a little bit further than whatever I could do and yeah it like worked out for them and I'm like grateful that I was able to like help them out with a little bit of like their training and like te hopefully teach them some lessons that they will take for the rest of their lives but um it sucks that i didn't have that in um high school and then also <laughs> well, that i didn't take that i didn't take advantage of like when i did have it with like coach sugars i didn't take full advantage of his knowledge um yeah i mean you know coach sugars was all always had like things to tell us like hey stop screwing around because of this or a like when I was in college and high school I did this and I kind of just like shook it off I was like oh, okay well that was when you were that's like who knows how many years ago yeah I think 243 moons I think no <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean I wish I would have just didn't let it go out one ear with especially people like Coleman oh yeah uh, because that guy, man, he did everything. Bodybuilder, boxer, uh, minor league baseball player, uh, you know, did it all. So all of those life lessons, he, uh, I could have learned from him. I, I really didn't. But he did teach me how to tape my hands for fighting, though. So, so. There's something. But <laughs> learn, <not yet>. something. <laughs> yeah, there's always something you can learn for the, from older generations. And but it's I'm also learn it all from one person either it's no it was that we didn't have the diversity of coaches like a lot of other people got you know yeah, like, and i mean that's a big person, difference we had like three cost country coaches and the and even they weren't you know competed at the higher levels you know so so you're not going to get the best training if you don't have the most decorated coaches who have been through you know those kind of rigorous uh trainings like an Olympic athlete coaching a college or something. So, so that's why that, that knowledge, uh, that knowledge gap grows whenever you hit college because you oh, got yeah. experienced people passing on even more information on top of what you already learned. And it, like you said, it, it's just the foundation. So, so once you got that foundation, then if it's good, they can pile on all that you can handle. Yeah, well, I mean, just taking my training from high school compared to college, it, it was night and day. High school, it was just like, do your mileage. Like during the summer season, when we were trying to build our bases, we would like go up to like maybe 80 miles a week. And that felt like it was an insane amount of mileage. 
then we got into, I got to college and my first summer that I actually trained with that cross country team, we hit, I think like during our peak mileage of the summer, we were like doing between 120, 130 miles a week. Ooh. Yeah. So it's like, you wake up at five, you go for your first run. Then later on you do your second run and you're like just building this insane base. And it is a monster. Once you get to like your second week of like hundred miles, you're just, your legs are completely, it feels like you have lead, you're running with lead shoes. <laughs> I bet. You know, and like after that, I you like drop it. down to, it's insane. And it's like, you don't expect that coming right out of high school, unless you're with like an elite team, which normally are like schools near like big universities, you know, like near USC probably, or near Oregon state, which are like big into cross country and track. Like those te- those high school teams are insane. They have coaches that have like ran in or coached NCAA teams and like they just drop down to high school because they want to take it a little bit easier. You have guys that have like been professional athletes coaching them and they're like pushing their kids to like do 100 mile weeks their junior year in high school. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. And like That's you get cool. to college and it's insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it should be maybe... Uh maybe 80 to 90 for, for high school, you know, they still got classes. They still got to graduate first, you know? Yeah. They don't I mean, even that, know that's that, the thing that vote or set up a bank account, you know, so <laughs> to be a college athlete, you know, whenever they're a junior in high school. But, but that's the big thing about like those D one colleges that are like nationally ranked and like that have athletes that are going to eventually go on to compete in like the Olympics or at the world stage. They, they come from these high school programs that are just beyond what most of our high schools in the area would normally be. Oh, yeah. um, it's because, and I mean, I know you've seen this in MMA and in wrestling and because I've seen it all over high school running. Most of the time, the guys that are on the world stage are the ones that were doing like college level work back when they were freshmen and sophomores in high school. But it's because they've had this upbringing from like parents that were doing the same thing or that know better and are pushing their kids to do this. And who know and who they know. Yeah. You know, like we didn't have that luxury. Yeah. Gilroy High was a perfect example of that. Uh, They always had that solid, probably like five, six, seven guys in the state, state finals every year. Um, and now they have Daniel Cormier as their coach, which is an Olympic wrestler. So there you go. Now you have an Olympic level guy and also who was a professional world heavyweight MMA fighter teaching you how to wrestle uh, from, you know, your ninth grade till your 12th grade. Of course, yeah. it's going to be leaps and bounds above other people or at least it should be, you know, it still depends on, on the athlete themselves, you know, how hard they want to work for it. Like uh, Sugar said, uh, Coleman said, you can't teach desire. So, so no, these, kids, these kids also had that desire young. They knew what they wanted to do. We were still playing with uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards and Beyblades <laughs> and, you know, going out playing Ultimate Frisbee. We, we weren't thinking about uh, we wanted to be that level you know, that early, but. Oh yeah, no, I mean, my freshman year, only reason I went out for cross country was because I wanted to do some sort of sport, you know, and like my parents didn't want me to do football. 
So I was like, well, what's the next thing I can do that I, they'll probably be okay with? And I was like, well, shoot, maybe cross country will be super easy. And it, I, it's just running, right? Um, and I mean, after a while I got into it and like it became my life, luckily. And I, it took me places, it was nice. Um, and I really appreciate everything that our coach, that my coaches did, you know, Coach Sugars, Coach Smith. Um, they were great guys. They, they, and even Coach Magallanes, who um, at the time, I think even now, he still has the CSAT high two mile record. <laughs> yeah, so um, he was one of our coaches. And they, they were great. They're amazing people, but at the same time, they, didn't have the knowledge to get us to the point that they should have been able to get us. Yeah. It's like, you can have all the talent, but if you don't have that guidance, you know, it's like you're just firing off a machine gun instead of aiming it, you know, um, exactly. better if you know where to aim. Yeah. I mean, out of the three sugars definitely competed at a higher level. I want to say, and like he knew a little bit more, because also he was the younger of the three. So he went through like more of the newer style of coaching in college. As for Coach Smith and Magallanes, who ended up going through the coaching of the mentality of like, just put in all the mileage and run faster, faster, faster each time. Mm-hmm. You know, like just understand push the, the pace. behind it. Yeah, you had Sugars who actually understood the, a little bit more of the science and everything else. Yeah, Remember and he, he graduated with college. a degree in like, and kinesiology so he definitely understood this a lot more oh yeah george uh actually just graduated a year ago from fresno state with this kinesiology degree so now he's a boxing trainer now here in fresno i saw that so you know uh (laughs) kinesiology that's a great great business to go into uh because there's so many opportunities of jobs that you can apply that to you know yeah said you could be a PE teacher you could uh run a a a recreation camp for kids or you know be be a trainer personal trainer fitness trainer um but kinesiology you know it's study of how the body works it's good stuff to know it is I wish I wish we would have people like that back when we were in high school because I know that we a lot of us had some pretty bad form when we either ran or even in wrestling and stuff. You know, it's form is a lot. It makes up a lot of, uh, of the work. It does. And it's all at a certain point, it's repetition. But like you said, if you're not taking care of your body and doing the right things, it ain't going to matter. You're just going to rep yourself into an early retirement. Yeah. And I mean, going even back to repetition, like, if you're repeating bad form, that's going to be your form. And it's going to be hard to break that. Uh, I finally was able to break that form. I, I started, I went to see a uh, PT not too long ago, um, just because I started having like a lot of problems again. I went to see him and he's like, look, I want to do like a, a, a form study on you. So taped me up, videotaped me while I was running. And like, he's like, dude, like your heel striking is bad. Like, have you been running like this all along? I was like, well, this is the only that I'm running. Like, how hard is it? You know, it's like, dude, no. So like we started fixing all of that. Um, got new style of shoes, you know, like a lot lower to the ground. Um, not like what everyone else is using right now. That I think is the Hoka 1-1s, which are like super 
padded shoes. Mm. Um, so I started wearing like really low profile shoes just because that way I can actually feel the ground and feel like when I'm heel striking, was able to like get onto the ball of my foot now, M made a huge difference in like everything, just my whole running, I can, everything feels a lot easier now. Uh, so for us non-runners out there, hill striking, is that just where you uh, end up stepping too heavy on the hill? Yeah, so heel striking is when you land on your heel. And normally when you're running, you, you want to be pushing yourself forward. So when you land on the ball of your foot, so like more like the center front area of it, you're pushing forward and you're using less energy. And compared to like when you strike with your heel, it's just like you're putting on the brakes and you're getting all this pressure going straight up into your knees and your quads. And it's just, you're exerting so much more energy. And is that how you get things like shin splints and all it that? It is. That's one of the ways. And also normally when you heel strike, if you're a really bad heel striker, you're, the front of your foot will start slapping against mm -hmm. the concrete. And that's going to like also send up a lot of vibrations up your shins. And that's also going to like push you towards having shin splints. So I always recommend, I'll recommend to always like keep on looking down at your feet, make sure that one, you're knees are over your ankles when you're running you don't want to like hyper extend because then you're gonna possibly pull a hamstring or something lead to shin splints so you definitely want to have like a little bit of a lean land on the ball of your foot and always keep in mind how you're running that's why i hate running with like headphones and music because i it like takes away from me being able to concentrate on what i'm doing mechanically yeah and then you can't even hear your own pitter patters Mm -hmm. You know, you can't hear how your strides, how your stride is going. You can't hear how you're breathing. Um, it's, there's way more of the running than just being out there and like lifting your knees and pushing forward. It's, uh, it's pretty technical when you get down into it. Yeah, especially at the higher levels. But yeah, like you said, you know, if, if you're going forward, you need to be on the balls of your feet driving forward. You know, you use that arch to spring yourself forward. Yeah. But yeah, when you're on your heels, like same thing with uh, boxing and anything else. If you're on your heels, you can't move well. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're, you're planted like your tree roots. But as soon as you get onto your balls of your toes, now you can start bouncing around doing a little Sugar Ray Leonard, you know. <laughs> but but until until you work on your footwork, you know, it's going to be real tough. So So form is important in anything you do. Big but, part so, of sports. Is your form. So, so you guys said that you went to state one time for cross country? Yeah, so we went to state um, my freshman year, or our freshman year, so 2004. Um, mm. We had a killer team back then. Um, of course, my cousin was a senior, and he was like the big-time cross country guy at Seaside High. What was uh, his name? I always his name is uh, Adalberto. Everyone called yeah. him Al. Mm -hmm. Al. So, um that guy was just insane and he had put in so much work you know like I think he took first place at the Stanford meet that nice. same year huge huge for for that so I mean having him as our number one guy just like put us over the edge to be able to like make that cut um then we had of course like a really solid two three four guys um and after that there was like um a junior who's named Steven. And then there was, um, I think you remember this guy, um, Charles Joey. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Charles, yeah. Yeah, so there, that, there was him. In our fantasy football league. Oh, is he really? For the podcast, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so Chucky was on uh, on the team. He was like a number six guy, and then I was the number seven, and then we had another freshman who was our number eight guy. Uh, nice. But yeah, we, we were Theo solid. Gibson? What's that? Was it also Theo Gibson, one of the top runners there? No, Theo wasn't one of our top guys until our junior year. Uh, oh. I think, yeah, I think he came into cross country our sophomore year. Gotcha. Uh, he didn't run our freshman year. So um, our freshman year, there was only two of us. And I mean, having a solid team of like mostly seniors that were like really encouraging really helped out with myself and um, uh, Alex Funderburg was the other guy. Other Funderburg. Oh, I missed yeah. that. So uh, yeah. it helped to push us both to like try to be a lot better. And of course, we were all just so competitive that everyone wanted to be uh, in that top seven group. Um, yeah. So it was just a back and forth between all of us. Um, and luckily we had, we were able to make it into state. Also, I think North County that year ended up being a D2. So that like helped out for us to make it into uh, the D3 state meet. Um, else I don't think we would have made it in. I mean, you huh. knew, you know, North County always had like an insane team. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, state was, um, was a whole nother experience. Um, especially because it's like right around Thanksgiving. So it's, and it's in Fresno at Woodward Park. So it's cold, super cold. All right. So coming from Monterey, you're not used to that type of weather. Um, so, and I mean, you have the best teams in the whole state running at the same time. So uh, you come in with these crazy jitters. Um, you get on the line and it's just like, all right, what's going to happen today? And you just hear the gun go off and it's almost like you black out. And you like barely remember any of the race until like near the end. But, just enter that trance. Yeah. That tunnel vision gets going and you're just off, literally off to the races, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think our first mile, I mean, at that point I had, I don't think I had ever broken six minutes for a mile. And that first mile, everyone just went out so hard. I think I ran like a 540 that day for my first mile. And it was just insane to me. Nice. I think I only got under six minutes one time in my entire life. And uh, that was probably freshman year during the presidential testings. Uh, <laughs> And, and I was racing, uh, Chucky Joy was in our, was in that class. And, uh, dude, he finished and I was just trying my hardest to keep up with them. And I was, I was so dead. And then all of a sudden you just see him go <laughs> beat me by like half a, half a lap, man. That boy was fast. Yep. So I was like, yeah. okay, yeah, there's, there's some serious speedsters out here. And they can keep it going. That to me, I was quick for a short period of time, you know, like a court, like a four, a forty, you know. But I couldn't keep that speed up forever. Yeah. But I also never trained to do it either. So. No, yeah, no. Um, we were training partner with with Charles, um, because he he was our actual four hundred, eight hundred guy, and then I would I did everything from like eight hundred on up during high school, right? So. Um, we would end up having to train together in order to like one, make me faster in the 800 and to make him stronger for the 800. So we were always like doing our mile repeats and all that together. Um, 
So yeah, it was, it was always uh, really uh, competitive. He was a very competitive guy. So practices weren't just like, all right, go like do your workout. It was always like racing the whole time. Exactly. Practices are supposed to be hard so that game day or competition day is fun. Yeah. You know? um, so like I said, and there's no substitute for having a good training partner. Because most of the time, the reason why people never get good or reach their potential is because they don't have anybody that can hang or push them except for maybe a coach. And, you know, you can't just train against your coach all day. That's not the coach's job. You know, you're supposed to build a program that helps the, the athletes help push each other you know, but it, it's tough. But so I'm glad you were able to have someone like that being a twin. I had George my whole life. So I always had stiff competition, whether it came to drawing a picture or <laughs> Easter egg hunt <laughs> to, to sports, you know, so, and there's no substitute for it. No, not at all. Um, I know right now I do miss having someone to train with because it's just, it's super hard to get out there some days and just like push the pace and it helps when you have like at least one other person who like tell you, Hey, come on, we got to get on this today. Um, I mean, well, today I just had an easy run. Mindset. They got to uh, have that similar mindset or it's not going to matter. They ain't going to be able to push you the way that you need the pushing. So, yeah. So yeah, you, it's tough. It's tough, especially as we get older, you know, and uh, opportunity, those kind of opportunities become less and less, you know, it's easy when you're in high school because, mm-hmm you're around people all the time and you can kind of try to recruit them in or if they're in, you know, share your knowledge. But like you said, when you're on your own, it's, uh, it's literally the toughest thing. Yeah. But it makes you tough too. So you need to have those days where you just go on your own, but you also need a few days where you can try to find like someone to run with and someone Mm -hmm. that'll push you. Yeah, it, it makes you stay accountable to yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that accountability is a big thing. I know I remember, like, there was a few times when, like, I was younger and I'd just, like, go ahead and grab my watch and, like, there'd be, I'd be like, ah, you know what? Maybe I'll just, like, let it keep running and, like, I'll say I ran this much, but actually I didn't and, like, just play it off. Like, I'm not hurting my coach. I'm not hurting anyone else but myself, you know? I'm not going to get better because I'm, like, I'm cheating myself. Mm-hmm. So nowadays it's, it's nice to have like all this technology, like the um, Garmin watches and stuff like that, just because it keeps you accountable. Yeah. yeah. You, once you hit start on your watch, it's going to like keep on going. If you stop, it's going to show that you stopped and it's not going to count your mileage. So it's really helped me to like be able to look down and be like, okay, this is my pace. I'm doing this. Like it keeps me, having to do the work yeah and you can analyze yourself that way because back then we weren't able to analyze we had a we had a stopwatch we had to look at our actual watch and then be like run and then all right now now what's the time do some math (laughs) (laughs) but but nowadays i mean shoot they'll tell you how well you're sleeping how well you're breathing when you should rest when you should push yourself harder shoot it'll tell you even now like if you're starting to feel you might be sick like what yeah i mean it's nice to have this type of technology and i wish we we had it back in high school and it it goes from your watches even down to your shoes you know like 
some of the running shoes nowadays are just insane. Like they have carbon fiber plates in them that are supposed to help you so that it springs you forward. So that like makes it so that you can run faster and more efficient. Um, the soles have like certain type of like rubber to make it easier for you to like take off and be able to like step off better. It's insane compared to like what we had coming up that was just like your old normal running shoes. Yeah, we had old men yelling at us. That's what we had. <laughs> exactly. That's what we had. We had like, I remember I was running in like random shoes that I got from like Big Five to go run in, you know. I probably and, sold it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like running in these like Boston Adidas mar marathoning shoes that have like the Adidas boost combined with some like weird light strike shit that like it makes the shoe be able to make you a certain percentage faster and I don't know if it's true or not but it feels like I've been able to run a lot faster than I should have hey you know maybe yeah. it's just placebo or maybe there's some uh some uh pudding you know some proof in the pudding <laughs> yeah I mean there even Nike just came out with their um I think they're called the what two percent and they're like so they just broke like I think last year they broke the uh, world record for the marathon by having one of the top uh, marathoners run in those shoes, and he broke two hours. Ooh. How yeah. long was the, uh, the race? It was a full marathon, so twenty-six point two miles in uh, two hour in under two hours. I think he was running like four twenty something, four thirty per mile. That is insane. Yeah. 26 miles in two hours yeah so and i, I mean no one had done that before yeah i don't think i could do that in a car man <laughs> i mean this guy goes out and do it and like they're saying that it was because of these shoes so i want to say like at some point they ended up banning them for a little bit just because they were like kind of gave too much of an advantage over all the other shoe companies yeah, that makes sense because they're sponsored at that point. So, you know, mm -hmm. you got your Adidas uh, sponsored runners and they can't wear the Nike shoes. So, yeah. Yeah, it, like, it, it, also, it made it the field uneven. Them. Yeah, it also should have pushed them to make their own version too. So, yeah, no, I agree. So, Just yeah, like no, anything else, there's competition in everything. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, once you get to that point, like, and I was thinking about this a few days ago. I was like, it's one thing to like have this, all of these shoes and all this stuff to make you faster. But then how do we know exactly how much the human body can do? You know, like, it, it like puts yeah. every, every day, it seems like. Like, how do we know that some of the guys that ran those world records prior, prior to, like, having these type of shoes wouldn't have been way faster with this type of technology? Yeah, I would love to see a side-by-side -side of him with and without the shoes and see exactly how much of a difference it makes, you know? Because, yeah. like I said, who knows? Maybe he could just had a very, very good training camp uh, for the event, and he was just peaked, ready to go, and had, had his best run ever, you know? Yeah. No, but unless it, it you the shoes, you can't take away the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like, you know, uh, baseball where it's like everybody's got to use a wooden bat, but one guy's using an aluminum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you, can't, you don't get to do that. 
it's just hitting them like they're golf balls. Bink! <laughs> and it's in Makoko. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so well, that's awesome. So, so, uh, and you guys never went back to state throughout your, your time? No, we didn't get to go back to state. Uh, we made it to CCS every year after that. Um, which I mean, it, it ain't bad. Mm -hmm. uh, still in the sectional finals. Um, but it's not like making it a state. Um, yeah. And it sucks that we didn't get to, but I mean, it just, it didn't line up. We, after that, we only had like three guys that were really in shape to run at state. And then everyone else was more like a good two minutes off of our pace. So it just we just didn't have the team, and it's because being from a D three school, everyone there's just not enough people to get onto the team where you can get like that depth in your feet in, in your team to have an you know, and, and that makes a huge difference. I mean, look at our high school wrestling team. At one year, we had seven people, and Monterey had something like sixty three. Yeah, it makes a huge <laughs> so difference when you have that depth in your team. And it's, um, like I said, there's no substitute for good training partners, you know, mm -hmm. in order to push yourself. But so for, for state uh, and CCS, how did it work? Was it the whole team had to qualify or could you have individual qualifiers? You had individual qualif qualifiers. And I, I want to say it was the top 10 um, outside of the actual teams that qualified. And the teams that qualified were the top three teams in CCS immediately went on to um, state. And then the th top 10 athletes after those um, would go on to state as well. So, so normally, they would... Yeah. So normally it'd be like your top three teams would probably have maybe four guys in the in the top 10 section so then the next 10 after that would end up going to state that were your top individual finishers um so of course we when we made it we were top three in um in the teams okay. so that's how we went as a team and then after that the next couple the next few years like my sophomore year um it was just i was i wasn't just fast enough to make it into state like um I think at that point I was probably running like a 1750 or something like that, just barely under 18 my um, sophomore year. And then from there, I think the fastest I got down to was like 1701 or something like that. So it's just most of these top 10 guys were like running 15 odd, you oh. know, like they, they were, they were fast guys. Oh um, yeah. But then again, you were also a sophomore, you know, so yeah. how many sophomores are that fast, you know, it takes mm -hmm. a, a year or two to really develop that yeah so i mean it, it was just the competition was just really strong and like by my senior year like the top guys were like running in like the mid 14s yeah so it's like and, and I, ne I i never got to be able to run that fast um until like probably college i was starting to like get down into those times but then by college i wasn't running 5ks anymore because cross country in high school it's all 5k races and then once you get to college it goes to eight and 10k races oh, okay so like it, it didn't matter how fast i was in a 5k once i got to college because i was yeah. running d double the the mileage um yeah a whole different I wanna, yeah i, I want to say i had a, i had a decent career in, in high school you know it got me 
to run in college, got me fast enough to be at least part of a D2 college program. Um, got really awesome experiences running in that program. Um, I mean, we, we, I didn't personally get to go to the Hawaii and Alaska race, but I mean, I got to travel all over California to run races throughout the state, compete against some of the best guys in the nation as well. That's awesome. So at Humble, you did track and field uh, and uh, cross country, right? That's correct. Okay. So getting to race against some of the best guys around, you know, that's, that's got to feel good. But uh, how, how did it, what, let's go back a little bit to high school. So you said you were looking for a sport. Uh, what, what made you want to do cross country in the first place? What made you go to tryouts? the fact that it, I thought it was going to be easy because it was just running was my mentality. This is just running. Can't be that hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was completely wrong, <laughs> but it just, I'm more of the mentality where like, if I start something, I want to finish it. So like I started cross country and I went to practice and like did my tryouts and I went through a week. And at that point I was just like, okay, I think I'm in way too deep already and if i'd like quit then i'm just gonna it's gonna look weird that like oh look at him he just came out for like a week and then dipped out yeah so you don't want to be that guy no so i was just like all right i guess i'll just have to finish this season and then i'll just be like oh i, I just didn't want to do it for my sophomore year or whatever but then got through the whole season and then we made it a state and i was just like you know what maybe i should stay in this yeah, I mean, like, you know, when you get to state your rookie year, you know, not bad, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so did that, got to state, got experience, all of that. And uh, once you get to that, I mean, you know this too, your team members become kind of like your extended family. So, like, you love going to practice and you love hanging out with all of them. And they, they, they become, like, your best friends at that point. So after that, there's really no going back. There's no substitute for common ground, you know, yeah. so passionate about the same things. It makes it easy to find conversations. Exactly. But, so like, you don't, you, you, after that, you just can't leave the sport or at least I couldn't. Yeah. And so that's the camaraderie. That's the reason why you, uh, it kept you in. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, so back to college. Uh, outside of the distances, what, what would you say was the biggest transition that you had to make going from the high school level and to the college level? I want to say the independence that I had in just in my own life, because now, now, you know, in high school, you end up having to go to practice right after school, yeah. you know, so it's like you go to school, you go to practice and you come home. In college, you have to actually make everything work. work. So now you, you've become, you become an adult and you have responsibilities outside of just going to school and cross country. So, I mean, you have to like figure out how you're going to make your classes so that you can also go to practice. And then, of course, having all this newfound um, liberty from like, the constraints of living at home now you have to like be able to like put your social life in there too so i want to yeah. say like trying to figure all that out together was probably like the biggest thing and there's a lot i would redo if i could 
<laughs> you ain't the only one. But yeah, I mean, the toughest part is the you know lear learning how to be on your own, and mm -hmm. when you still got all of these other things going on, it's you don't get to put as much time into it. So you don't truly understand what it's like trying to get credit and make sure that you you keep your credit up high for when you get older. You can buy cars, homes, you know, things like that. Uh, uh, no one teaches you really how to make a savings account. No, you know, like there's no classes for that. Yeah, and I mean, outside of that, you're finally, I guess, free, you know, in quotes, because you don't have like, you get to do whatever you want once you're far away from your family. At least in my case, I was all the way up in Humboldt, which is like an eight hour drive from here. And there's absolutely nothing out there besides trees. And then you have this little town in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so you have all this liberty to like go to parties and hang out with whoever you want. And then you have class. And if you want, you can do most of your classes in the morning and do whatever you want at night, or you can like sleep in and go to class later in the afternoon. So yeah, it's less yeah. micromanagement. Over yes. But then you have to be responsible for yourself. And I think that's one of the big things where a lot of like freshmen and sophomores in college have a lot to really deal with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was lucky that I was starting to live on my own at 17. I mean, for, forcefully, but <laughs> yeah. so, so, but I was working since I was 13 years old too at the mm -hmm. Seminole shop. So I always kind of had that advantage when it came to uh, finances, knowledge, and uh, what it's like to have work experience. Because most of the time, whenever you get out of college for people, that's their first job, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and they don't do well because they didn't under they understand the material, but they didn't understand the uh, the hands on part of it. Um, I completely agree. And so, especially whenever it comes to you're finally getting your freedom, yeah, of course you're gonna get loose, get a little wild, you know. Like, hey, my nobody's looking over my shoulder, you know. It's uh, you know, let me try this let me try to drink this beer, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, Hey, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do this drunk mile. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> Get into and any it, of those. <laughs> and, and that's where like also who you hang out with comes into play at that point, because some people are going to be like, let's do this. And then you're going to have other teammates that are like more of the quiet guys and the guys that are actually, there to get their degree and not just party mm -hmm. and you have to like find that right combination of being able to work on what you're there for which is getting your degree and then also doing your sport and then finally your social life mm -hmm. but I, that was pretty tough for me at least my first year because I I wanted to just it was all about my social life at that point um oh, yeah. And, like, and school is a lot different than the high school workload, you know, it's mm -hmm. less hand holding, more independent, just like in the sports, but also, you know, they don't care if you, if you pass or fail, they get paid either way. So yeah, that's, that's on you. Uh, if you want to keep playing sports or if you want to keep uh, working towards your degree. Yeah. And if you want to be on the team, then you have to have a certain GPA, you know, and 
to the teacher, the teacher's not good. If you wanna know what your GPA is and if you wanna know how you're doing in class, you have to go into your class and you have to go talk to your teacher about all of this. You they're gotta not gonna be, yeah. You're not, they're not gonna be on you like, hey, why aren't you turning in your homework? Hey, why, what's going on at home? They don't care. They, this is your responsibility. At this point, you're an adult. Yep. And you better do the work because this is your money or your parents' money or the government, whatever it is, it's on you now. And no one else is going to do it for you. No, not at all. So, you know, that it was a tough transition to not have someone like on me because I wanted to be able to have fun. Yes. Of course, I like, after a point, I was like, oh shit, like I'm messing around too much and like got my shit together and like started doing the right thing. But that first few months was just like, going wild you know and um i want to say that my um my running got affected by that too for a bit um because i wasn't putting in as much of the work as i should have and i think that also had something to do with uh me pulling my hamstrings i mean that's what we can we'll go into that in a minute um so once we got to once i got to college you know i started doing workouts on my own since um, I got there like a month before school opened. Mm -hmm. So I got there a month before a few, few of the guys were already training from the cross country team. So I was doing a few workouts um, and they saw me doing these workouts. They're like, Hey dude, you need to come on the team. You know? So I was like, all right, cool. So got walked onto the team, did a few races with them um, preseason. And like, I think all of like maybe there are seventh or eighth guys. So like uh, I was, I was in good shape. Yeah. So we went to the, we started the season and um, I talked to my counselor and they were like, you need to redshirt this season. You know, like it'd be better if you um, just hang out and learn the workload. And then that's going to help you so that um, you have an extra year later on. Yeah. Um, for those of, that don't know what a redshirt year is in college, you can like put off one season of your um of your sport and be a red shirt so you don't participate in any of the actual meets or the games or anything like that um but you're still part of the team yeah uh, crack squad basically exactly so you can do that if you know that you're going to have a kind of like if you're working on a degree that's going to be longer than four years you can always do a red shirt season so and then that so way you you would be at the play after your senior year for one season if you redshirt then. Correct. So like, since I had a redshirt in my freshman year, I would have been that, that year doesn't count, but at least I would have had the workload and be able to understand what was expected of me in, on the cross country team. Then after that, I have four more years to actually like really get to my peak season and like get through. So um, yeah. I redshirted my first year, um, did all the work. It was, it was, I think that was probably the best decision I could have made because I was able to like put in that super high mileage that I had never put in my life and not have to worry about getting injured. Even though I got injured like halfway through it, I ended up twisting my ankle and it was like super, it was really bad. And I had to take like three months off after that. Yeah. Was there any tears in it or? Luckily there wasn't, but I hyperextended the ligament. So mm. I had to take some time off for that ligament to be able to recover. Um, and it just, it was bad. Yeah. Um, had, had to go through physical therapy and there was a lot to do, a lot of work to do again, just to get back to where I was. 
So was able to redshirt that year. And then my sophomore year, when I finally got back and we started actually racing, um, got through cross country season, had a decent season, um, but then got into track. And that year I, I felt at like probably my peak. Um, so we went to run the, um, some meets down in the Bay area and we had one part of the crew go to run the Stanford meet. And I was part of the crew that went to run the San Francisco Invitational. Um, and I want to say I was on pace to probably run like sub four for a 1500. Right. So I was like in really good shape. And like we came into the bell lap and this is when I like took the turn on the track coming into the last 300 meters of the race. And I, I felt so good that I was like, I'm going to just push from 300. I'm going to kick it in all the way. You know, like we'll see what, what happens. And I hit probably like 250 to go and just feel this like full on pull. And I just dropped to the ground. Mm. And I was like, what the hell just happened? So like my legs all cramped up. I'm like in super crazy pain. They take me off the field finally. Like I had my, my brother was there. So he like grabbed me and takes me off the field and we go over to get checked out. And they're like, dude, like, first of all, that's like a bad, bad pool. Like you're going to have to get checked out by your trainers once you get back. Yeah. They're like, you're like really close to having like actually have torn your hamstring. So after that, it was just pretty much rehab, you know, like PT, then doing a bunch of workouts in uh, the pool, some cycling, just like everything to get myself back up and running. But it just, it, I didn't feel the same after that. And it's been a good, like almost 10 years since that happened. Even yeah, to this day. Go away. Yeah. Um, still to my day, to this day, you know, like every time I do a push up, I hear my shoulder pop. And that's just from years of having big dudes sprawl on me and getting my arm caught under them. And, uh, you know, and when you don't take care of it properly, it, it lingers a lot longer like mine. Yeah. But I'm glad that at least you had some trainers to kind of help guide you in some personal training because that's probably yeah. the reason why you're able to run today. I think so too. Um, it took me a while to finally get to be able to run how I'm running now um, because I was always, it's, it's a little bit shocking to you and like you keep the shock in your head for so long that I remember even up to like three or four years ago when I would start running. I mean, we have that competitive nature and like, you know, like how fast you were able to run. So you want to get to that point super fast and you end up pushing yourself. Like I at least end up pushing myself way too much, way too fast. So like I would keep on pushing myself and then I would start feeling like a little tiny bit of a pull starting to happen on my hamstring or something. And then I get freak out and I'd be like, you know what? No, I'm going to like, get off for a little bit like hamstrings are still not good i was traumatized man you know yeah. for a while I, I was actually traumatized um now i've gotten to the point where like after seeing phys plenty of physical therapists and like doing different types of work and actually putting the uh weight lifting into my programs now i actually feel comfortable when i go running and like i actually am able to push myself to those times that i used to run in high school like 
I had I ran some mile repeats a couple weeks ago, and I was like doing 5:45 repeats, you know. So uh, like I'm finally at that point, and I wouldn't have been able to do that like two three years ago. I would have been freaking out that I was gonna pull that hamstring all over again. And now I'm curious, what what was your diet like in high school compared to when you get to college and you're competing? Was it uh, still hot Cheetos and bagels or was it a, uh, you know, bunch of pizza <laughs> to keep the calories up? What, what All of that. So probably the biggest thing that I, that now I question why high school runners do this is when they carbo load, mm. you know, like cross-country teams end up having like pasta feeds and all this stuff right before like a race and it's like you don't even need you you don't get to the point where you're going to start using that kind of carbohydrates in a 5k race yeah like if you carbo load it's going to be for a race that's going to be like maybe a half marathon definitely a full marathon but for a 5k you end up going through your like um through your energy storages not that fast you know Mm. and you're never going to tap into like a get into a carbohydrate deficiency to the point where you need a carbo load so yeah in high school i would like i ate so much (laughs) you know and and that was not the best thing i could have done like some there'd be days where like right after practice i'd be super hungry and i'd go to like the baldomero's taco shop and get myself like a freaking huge ass burrito the breakfast burritos there are amazing yep so like i'd eat that you know and like it was not a healthy diet, but you're in high school. Your metabolism's super high, and you can eat pretty much whatever you want. Well, I think we lost you there. Oh, so yeah, in high school, you're able to like eat whatever you want, and it's not going to matter because your metabolism's so high. Oh, sound really? Uh, did you get muted? Uh, how about now? Just working? a moment, folks. <laughs> Is that good? All right. Well, we happened to lose audio to Arturo, but we talked about a lot today. I want to thank Arturo Perez for coming on and being another guest on Alex and an Athlete. So uh, for any of you people interested in cross country and track, just make sure that uh, you make sure you take care of your body, you put in the right fuel, and you never quit on yourself. Always bet on yourself and Make sure that you come out on top. So from everyone here at the Scott Sportscast, I want to thank you. And everyone, have yourselves a great night. Thank <laughs> you.